hello everyone and welcome to esoterica in today's episode of the interview i am delighted to introduce you to samantha bailey samantha is the best-selling author of women on the edge and she just dropped a new thriller called watch out for her and i there you see you can see it and i mean i i can't help but pun saying you got to watch out for samantha like if someone's got to use that term and i hope i coined it but if not, you know, I'm sure it's out there. So welcome, Samantha. Thank you so, so much for having me. This is awesome. You, you might have coined the term. Let's say you coined the term. Okay, I'm going with I coined the term. Um, and so let's let's watch out for her, Samantha Bailey. And I think your new, your new promos should all say that. So um, I'm going to Makes start you sound talking. dangerous. <laughs> but you are dangerous. So, you know, so let's talk about your new novel. Um, watch out for her so watch out for her and i don't want to give too much away is that largely focuses on a mother uh and something we can relate to who um who gets a little obsessive uh what do you want to tell us about it um she gets a little obsessive yeah <laughs> so i started writing this book before the pandemic mm -hmm. and my reasons for writing it became very different after the pandemic started but the book itself right it's about Sarah Goldman, as you said. She's a middle-aged mother, stay-at-home mother of a six, almost seven-year-old uh, son named Jacob. And she gets to that point in her life where she feels like she's missing herself, a piece of herself. She doesn't know where she begins as a woman separate from being a mother. Right. And so she decides to return to her first love, which is photography, and hires a babysitter named Holly Monroe, a 22-year-old, for the summer to take care of Jacob. And at first, it's a perfect arrangement. Jacob and Holly adore each other. Mm -hmm. And Sarah and Holly develop this very fast, close bond because they see something in each other they're both longing for. Right. But then Sarah, who is a voyeur, mm -hmm. sees something that she can't unsee mm -hmm. and feels she needs to escape from Vancouver to Toronto with her family and to start over. Mm -hmm only to move into their new home and to find hidden cameras everywhere. And she has to wonder if she's left Holly far behind after all. Wow. I mean, it sounds so thrilling and what a pitch. And so I mean, let's talk. So, I mean, there's so many themes to talk about. There's, there's motherhood. There's the stress that comes with motherhood. Obviously the pandemic stress related to motherhood. I mean, I mean, what, I mean, I never, obviously, it's like a verboten to assume anything is personal, but I mean, motherhood is stressful. I mean, how did that play into, into writing the book? So I am uh, a worrier of a mother. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely overprotective, but less so as my kids get older. They're now almost 12 and almost 15. The pandemic really taught me a lot about letting right. go, actually, of a lot of fears and worries because most unexpected, almost worse, <laughs> happened that I could never have anticipated. So true. So true. So so before the pandemic, and as I was starting to write this novel, I, I wanted to look at the idea that we can't watch who watches our children mm -hmm. and all the fears that come from that. And if you are someone um, who likes to control a situation, and I, and I, I do, I, I like to have control, or I did, because again, I realized I can't control the uncontrollable. Right. Um, but I really like that idea. Where I differ, though, mm -hmm. Sarah, one of the reasons I so much wanted to look at this, this book and this, you know, I wanted to write this book was the idea of 
motherhood separate from our own identity as women. Right. Um, right. I felt that I'd achieved a balance. Finally, finally, my kids were in school. I worked mom hours. I could volunteer and be present for them. And I, I could have a career that's all mm-hmm. my own. Um, and I, but I still, I wanted to explore it. I, I found it very interesting. So, mm-hmm. um, but of course when the pandemic hit, I lost all sense of space, time, identity, and I identified far more with Sarah than I'd expected to. Huh? Yes. Her anxieties are extreme. Right. She lost her father when she was 13 years old and she lost, uh, a, um, a baby in her second trimester. Mm-hmm. So when you experience a loss like that, I think you have so much fear about losing anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely experienced loss, but but my 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 fears are more and mine are more about uh, control. <laughs> right. Well, I and mean, that's interesting. I mean, I think that's something almost anyone or any mother can relate to. I think there comes a point, you know, there's like a some sort of, I don't know, there's got to be like a seven year itch. It's like you're kind of so immersed in babydom because you have to be like, it's, it's your sole responsibility to keep this human alive. And then when it's clear that they're going to live, you know, and, you know, and, and actually survive and, and be, you know, prosper, um, <laughs> what you know, it's like, you kind of forget. I'm like, what? I, I do remember that stage. I mean, my, my kids are 18 and 11, but I do remember the stage with my older son. I was like, maybe it was six or seven um, when I was like, well, who am I again? What did I used to like? I used to like things. What were yeah. they? And yeah. I mean, because you kind of go through the motions, right? Yeah. Yeah. You forget, you know, there's this like fiery part of you and this, this whole side of you that you do have to, or some people do, maybe some people can manage to maintain that right um, forever. And I, I maintained a lot of it in terms of career. Right. Because I did. I made sure that I wrote and I opened mm-hmm. my own editing business. And I right. you know, was a freelance journalist because it was so important to me mm-hmm. to, be my, to be myself. But mm-hmm. ultimately, and even now, I'm still mom. Mom first. Right. 100%. Because how can it be any other way? Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure it could be, but I think it, it could be. often is not. I think yes. just by, yes. by not by de facto, it's not. But it, you know, it, we can always imagine. Um, so you know, it's interesting. Um, you, you talk about the pandemic and the environment of fear, and and perhaps those elements played into the writing of the book. Um, you know, I find it fascinating. Um, I mean, you don't tackle the pandemic in the book, obviously, but I mean, and it doesn't. And it's, I just wonder. I mean, with all that's going on in the world, because I, I always feel, okay, there's a pandemic, we're getting through it, but what's next? I mean, this is maybe the journalist in me, there's environmental Armageddon, you know, Roe versus Wade was overturned today. There's so much chaos today. Was it? Was it? Was it? I, I Was it? I think, uh, well, we can... Uh, anyway, was, okay, so that's we'll, a whole we'll other topic. About, yes, I, I think there were early, there were early, uh, there were some leaked documents last I saw. I, I, I did see that, but I didn't know where it had led to at the end of the day. Well, oh, it was right. Yes. So I should, I, I should, I should caution that it may not have happened today, but is imminent. Um, so, I mean, how, I mean, how does that actually, does that, do all these fears kind of saturate into your writing in some way? I mean, how do you process that? So I don't walk around terrified all the time. I don't want, like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> shaking, shaking in my boots all the time. Um, I just find that 
in, I'm sorry, I'm coughing. I've been talking more in oh, the last no, no. two weeks than the last two years. I'll be the mother, the Jewish mother. You should drink <laughs> yes. more. You know? <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, I, I have to remember what I was saying. Yeah. So when it comes to, well, the, you know, all those fears, as a person, I'm, I'm quite, I'm a Gemini. Mm -hmm. So as a person, I'm quite upbeat and happy and positive. And, and I definitely, I want to be my kid's emotional safety net. Mm -hmm. And I want to be other people's emotional safety net. I, oh, yeah. I consider myself a very strong, resilient person. I couldn't have gotten through publishing 20 years to get here if I weren't. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, but I definitely have fears and worries and anxieties. Mm -hmm. Um, and a very, very dark mind. And it's not, yes, it is. I have a very, yeah, I, I have a very dark mind. So I'm, I'm a pure Gemini where I do have these two sides to me. Right. So in my, in my, in my real life, I guess, outside of writing or my, I don't know what you call that. Um, I am, yeah, happy and, 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 and optimistic. And I see the world as a place of hope, not sorrow. Mm -hmm. In my writing, however, that is where I put it all. Right. And so that is where I channel all of yeah the angst and the raw emotion and you know really bare my soul and i i throw it onto these characters and these characters they're not me right so it, it also course. helps me create a separation from those fears because right. it, it's their fears i'm right. just using my i guess my emotions to to access how i need them to feel right if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. I mean, do you keep the characters with you? Like, do you think about them? Are you still in their head, even though the book is, you know, all said and oh. done? It's interesting. Well, yes, because when, when you're talking about it, what I do, so when I'm done a book, I actually usually never read it again. <laughs> when I'm done and it's out there, I never read it again because, because of course, then there are things I'm going to want to change. And I'm sure. going to start thinking, and then forget it. I, I, I worked really hard and I did everything I could to create the very best book I could with my editor and my critique partners. Like it's, it's done and it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to my readers. Now it belongs to my readers. Mm -hmm. So to have, you know, what, what comes with me. Um, right. But yes, they do. They, all my characters and all my books will always live inside me. Mm -hmm. I will always carry them with me. I'll always wonder what's, what happens next for them. Um, they are real people to me as probably to someone who's not a writer maybe or, or not a reader that probably does sound quite right. psychotic um, but but they are real to me mm -hmm. I created them they became real they became part of me so there's all these characters that yeah live in my heart and soul and in my mind all the time hmm. amazing well so you say I mean you never read your book again so let's talk about let's let's backtrack let's talk about your your process I mean yeah Everyone, everyone has their own process. Are you like the seat of your pants writer? Are you a planner? How do you do this? So I was, I used to write edgy rom-coms 20 years ago mm -hmm. and I used to be a seat of my pants writer. Right. And then uh, when I started mm -hmm. writing thrillers, for me, it was a very different process. Not mm -hmm. that one is easier than the other by any means. It was just right. my process. I know thriller writers who don't outline, they can put out a, a draft that's gold. Okay, that's not me. I outlined 15 to 17 pages. Wow. Once I have the premise, once the premise is set, and even the premise, I will like tweak, 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 tweak that premise. And then I will write a, a very detailed outline of 
um, character arcs, motivations, backstories, the plot beats, the clues. I do a three act structure. I, I lay out all my scenes generally, right. but, but I do have to be careful not to let my outline stifle me as I write. So I have to make sure I let the story evolve and I let the characters lead me and that the, you know, that the story organically progresses mm-hmm. as it should. So there is a lot that changes from the outline that I'm not expecting to change because my characters Right. Got it. Got it. That's well, that's amazing. And, and so on a day, like, do you, how do you write every day? I, I do write every day, but so what happened was, so before the pandemic, I had this great schedule and I would, you know, usually I would write, I'd get up at, you know, a regular normal person hour, of like seven o'clock and maybe about nine, I'd sit at my desk, I'd write till 12 and I would do my social media in the afternoon. Yeah. And then, you know, and all the emails and all these things I had to do. And then suddenly in the, during the pandemic and my kids are home um, and I don't have an office. This is my kitchen. I don't it's, have a door. It's a beautiful kitchen. Well, yes, this is my privacy screen. <laughs> I you love it. You don't see what's behind me. I love it. Yeah. Except that it's really just like behind me. It's not like <laughs> on all sides, anyone can sneak around. So what happened was I started getting up at four or 5 AM mm-hmm. because the only time that I had for myself and for my works was that time in the morning. And, and, I maintained that. I keep, I'm doing that now that my kids are back in school because my eyes fly open and I yeah. just want to write and I just want to do it. And I get so excited to start right. that now, yes, yeah, so I'm up at four or five and I write every day until, and on the weekends too, I just find because my eyes fly open and I'm mm-hmm. compelled to do it. Um, and then I write about eight, nine. Right. And then I find, well, now that I'm doing promo, my day is, you know, so, so right. um, online at the moment. So I find, you know, I'm not writing as much at the present moment, but when I go back to bed, I'll probably get up four or five a.m. Well, that's very impressive. Uh, very impressive. Those are early, early hours that I haven't seen in a while. Um, so <laughs> tips for what are your, so talk about like new writers. We're talking about thriller writers and, and rom-com writers. I mean, like, People who are just breaking into the industry. I mean, what are the what are your pearls of wisdom? I always want everyone to know I'm not an overnight success. I'll start there. I right. really, you know, when you see an author who's a bestseller and you see, you know, you imagine, oh wow, you know, this she wrote a book and it got published. No, that's that's not at all. I've been right. writing since I was 10 years old. I submitted my first manuscript when I was 10. And it was wow. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I've been writing forever and I've been writing full length novels. That was, you know, a small story right. uh, since I was 29 and I will be right. 49 at the end of me. So exactly 20 years. Right. I have written five books and uh-huh. I have two books that are published. So right. all of the other ones, you know, nobody wanted, <laughs> no one wanted them. So what I learned through all of that time and everything since then is that mm-hmm. you, you cannot give up if you want this, if you have a story to tell it's not going to be easy. It's right. never, ever right. going to be easy. Um, and it could be very, very long. But you you have to believe in your words and in your story. And you are going to be rejected. And your work is going to be torn apart. And you have to accept that. Yeah. And you have to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Just roll up your sleeves and you get to it. Mm-hmm. And then I think what really, really helped me was I have very supportive people behind me. I have a huge support system. I have family, friends, the author community. Find your people in the writing community. Mm-hmm. It can be intimidating to reach out for sure, but the writing community is really, truly 
from what I have experienced, the most genuine, supportive, loving, warm, kind community. We just want to help each other. Right. That's well, that's heartwarming, actually. And I think, you know, I think that's true. And finding our people is always is always good advice. You know, I, I say that to even even to my kids or right? yes. find your people. And once you find your people, everything seems to make sense, you know? Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Exactly. You can turn out all the noise. Right. And anything else. Just, yeah, find the people that you trust, the people who get you and want the best for you. Right. So, um, uh, okay. I feel like I should say, watch out for Samantha Bailey. Cause those were like really inspiring words. Uh, watch out for Samantha Bailey because I, I'm going to coin that term and, and now everyone's going to use it. Um, so what, what's the plan now? So you, you launched this, so you dropped this amazing thriller. Um, and, and what is promotion like now in the age of like the kind of early post pandemic, maybe post pandemic, who knows what, ta- what stage we're in right now? Is it well, I have to say it's, it's been a little while. It, um, I, 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 I'm, this will not be humble, um, but I feel really stunned and amazed. And the reason this happened is because I have such incredible readers. Um, it came out on the 26th and on the 27th, it hit the uh, Globe and Mail and Toronto Star bestseller lists. Woo, amazing. Wow. So okay. I, I, I can't tell you, especially with a second novel. And there right. is a lot of pressure when you write a second novel. When that happened, I always knew I had the best readers and the books mm-hmm. to readers. And people, and you know, People like you who take the time to create something to promote authors right. are the reason that I can sustain a career, the reason I hit those lists. So mm-hmm. um, I'm so grateful. So I've been doing this, <laughs> been doing this for quite a while. Uh, I I did live TV with CTV. Um, Ooh, yeah, amazing. And amazing. I have done uh, IG lives, Instagram lives mm-hmm. with uh, authors, authors who take the time to bring other authors onto their pages. And you know how much, like it takes a lot of prep. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you create a magazine right. to, you know, help the literary community. So I've been doing a lot of that um, podcast, radio, CBC, right. Sirius. Um, you know, I get to do all these amazing, life-changing, wild, surreal. Like it's, sur- it's surreal. Right. These things I get to do. But, it t- but I, I must say, for about a week and a bit now, I feel like I'm living a totally different life <laughs> from my usual life. Right. So, uh, yeah, I can see that. Okay. I, and I mean, I think you gave some really inspiring um, words to writers who are struggling. So I think that's amazing. But maybe give us like two moments in your career. Like what was what was the low point and what was the high point? Like what was that point that we were like, oh, I don't want to swear on, on, on in a live show, but what was the point where it's like, oh shoot, that this is just not working? And what was like the kind of pinnacle? The low point. Yeah, there have been a lot of low points. A lot of low points. Um, I've been rejected so many times; it's hard to go back and say like, what was that low point? Um, well, how do you handle the rejection? I mean, now, I mean, it's, you're in a different stage right now, but how did you? Have- in the beginning, and I was young too, I, I, I was, you know, I signed with a, a New York City agent really quickly, my first agent. And so I guess I was naive. I thought I, thought I, I was going to be the overnight success. And 
I would say, I would say a low point for sure was at the very beginning of my journey when we went on submission with two different rom-coms and, and it was resoundingly, re they were both resoundingly rejected. And I thought, oh, okay, this isn't going to be like I thought it was going to be. But I, there was whatever was in me that it was a burning passion. It was a burning right. passion that I couldn't stop. Um, but I think that was a shock because yeah. I, I did I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I expected and, and, and dreamed. Now, now from that, I have learned. I have no expectations. I have big hopes and dreams, but I have no expectations mm -hmm. because, again, I can't control the uncontrollable. Publishing can be a brutal and wonderful and exhilarating and excruciating business, and I have so little control over it, and it's a very subjective business. Right. So, so but I just, I kept going because I, I knew that, I wanted this more than anything in the world mm -hmm. and I would forever regret if I didn't go after it until the day I died. Thank <laughs> God it didn't take that long. Right. Ooh, yeah. I, the, yeah. The highest point yeah. was when I, and I, I fell to my knees yeah. uh, in relief and just joy when, so I, I had amicably parted ways with my first agent and signed with my, my current agent who's absolutely wonderful. And we went on submission and it sold what with Woman on the Edge. Woman on the Edge sold first uh, in foreign territories and it was selling one after the other. And I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. Um, and so I, and I was so happy and so excited, but I was, you know, I, what was going to happen in North America? You know, what was going to happen? And when Simon and Schuster Canada, when uh, Nita Pranavo, uh offered yeah to, you know wanted to acquire it I, I i fell to my knees and it makes me emotional because that was the moment i thought that this is finally happening that right. after 20 years that i that i did it <clears throat> that i did it and and dream and dreams come true right well that's i mean <clears throat> yeah sorry <laughs> no, you know what i i think I, i'm so glad you shared that in in such a candid way because I think that you know there's so many people that well, I mean not even just for writing that struggle and, and I think you know the pandemic has a has given a lot of people pause to really re-examine what they want to do from for their lives and maybe what was that thing I always wanted and maybe I don't have forever to do it maybe now is the time so I think um those are really powerful emotions for you to share and I'm really grateful you did because you know it's because it's tough but you know, it's not easy, and I think, and, and I'm really relieved because I think a lot of people do believe, oh, in that overnight success, and it's hard not to. You know, the media has really presented us this kind of um, narrative of everyone is an overnight success, except no one really is an overnight success. And if you uh, ask the authors, you know, every author will tell you their their horror story. We all have one to share. All all of us. All of right. us. All of us have a story, and as, and especially if you look at the biggest, and I mean the biggest bestsellers, their stories are probably the hardest. Right. You know, they for for most of them, really, really struggled to get where they were, and it's that struggle and it's that mm -hmm. fear um, that makes us appreciate it all the more. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I mean, Samantha Bailey. So everyone. It's watch out for her. I'm going to end the screen. Watch out for her. I made sure to pre-order on Amazon, so everyone else should do that. And, uh, and watch out for Samantha. And thank <laughs> you so much for your time. And, um, and I will uh, hopefully have you back with your next book. 
Oh, thank, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. This was so lovely. This was lovely for me too. Okay. Thanks everyone. And tune in again uh, shortly for the next episode of the interview. Thank Bye you. Now. Bye.